0: All right, welcome to The Bobbycast, episode 102. About to play for you, Dave Cohen, who I've worked with a few times, and I think I'm the lowest on his totem pole of people he's worked with. And I think you'll understand as we talk back and forth, but I don't want it to be lost in the interview how talented and well-respected this guy is as a session piano-slash-keyboard player because for us, when we were doing the Raging Idiots album... The record label was gonna pay whatever amount of money. And I was like, hey, I want the best guy. And that's how I met Dave Cohen because he was the guy that was in running all the people playing on the record and he was playing piano and we got along. Great personality. You'll see too on my Instagram when I posted a picture of Dave and I, all the artists posting below that going, Dave, Dave, do you see that mic? Everybody knows Dave. So we haven't had a session player in yet. And that means when we were recording our records or anyone for that matter, mostly anyone more than us, but I just know from my personal experience, there's a guitar player, there's an acoustic guitar player, there's a piano player, there's a drummer, and they're all in a studio making music. And there's a band leader, and Dave was the band leader on our records, and many records. But I wanted to bring him in, and you're going to hear that. So that's coming up. I do want to say, too, that I'm all out on the road, and if you guys want to come to a show, about to head out in a few weeks, Means I record this, it's February, but... March, April, May, June. My Red Hoodie Comedy Tour. Just go to bobbybonescomedy.com and tickets to that are there. A lot of them are sold out, but some aren't. Love to see you. That'd be it. Other than that, let's get started here with Dave Cohen. Like, session player extraordinaire. On all the albums, you've heard this guy play piano and you had no idea. So here we go, episode 102 of the Bobbycast. Alright, welcome back. Uh, Introduce yourself, please, fine guest. My name's Dave Cohen. Dave Cohen. I I know Dave from, we've worked together. We have. And I think I I always felt guilty because Dave is what I would call, first of all, I knew you as a session player. Sure. Who came in and I think we were cutting a Raging Idiots album. Yeah. Two years ago, maybe? The first. And you were the friendly guy that made me, although I knew I was bad, you were like, who cares? Let's just have fun. You sit on the piano. Yeah. I do believe you you were the session leader. Sure. Yeah. And so you ran all the musicians. Yeah. And we would do songs afterward where you'd sit on the piano. And we just. P- but I felt very comfortable with you. Very warm. Well, thank you. And then now uh, we we did it again. And yeah. Then we, and
1: it all, it's working.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's it's I don't know if it's working. It it definitely holds its place. As
1: a Stare on the Wall, there's a big old that's true. number there's, one comedy album.
0: You played on on that record. I did. Probably your greatest achievement. Except for a lot here that has nothing to do with me and is much bigger. <laughs> so, I say session player because until I knew you. And then I would see you out playing uh, like, I think the CMAs. Mm-hmm. You're in the house band at the CMAs. Yeah. Um, I think I ran into you afterward. I think we were at the, maybe the ACL Honors. Sure, yeah. We were talking outside. Yeah. So then I started to go, okay, this guy's not just popping studio to studio being an expert piano player. He also goes and plays expertly as house band. Sure. Do you do it all? I play the
1: piano in
0: yeah. many huh.
1: different rooms.
0: I was uh, I was reading stuff about you because I have to be kind of a stalker sure. for this part of it.
1: Right, which worried me because definitely when I was doing my re- research for this, of course, like the first, I'm like, Looking, uh, looking, look, look. Dan Huff. Sure, I'll listen to that. <laughs> and then it's like, the this is your life with Dan Huff. And I'm
0: like, oh my gosh, what am I? That Dan Huff one was good. That
1: was juicy.
0: There was like, yeah, I was, yeah. Ge- I was geeking out on that one. Yeah. So, uh, you say you play piano, but you started playing uh, keys, p- keyboard. Yeah. when? How old? I was five. Was this something that came to you naturally?
1: I was over at my grandparents' friend's house, so the story goes. Uh, I mean, I was there, but I don't really remember much of it. But basically, uh, he, my grandfather's friend, showed me Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star or something like that. And by the end of the afternoon, I put on my own little concert and played Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star. And as parents read into every little thing, that was like, well, Dave's got to... Got to pursue that.
0: And you're not just a piano player. Even a, a good piano player, to make work as a session player, you really have to be elite. Because you're playing on records. For, for Before I became in into uh, Nashville and I would listen to music, I just thought everybody played with their band. Sure. And then I would start to see documentaries, even the Wrecking Crew documentary. Of course. I thought these artists just showed up with their band and they made a record like in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Even the nineties some when yeah. when the, the the hooties and the collective souls. Yeah. Here in town that's not really how it works.
1: That is not often how it works. And there's a lot of bands that are doing that and you hear it and it's awesome and it's a thing. But a lot of the time in Nashville it's I wanna say it's such a machine, but the the pace at which music is written, demoed, pitched, r- recorded, and sent out to the radio and that kind of thing, uh, doesn't leave a, l- a lot of time to make records at the pace that Hootie would have made their records, uh, or a lot of take the take the time and the, the, those days of, like, you know, they when you watch Tom Petty documentaries where they spent all, an entire week getting drum sounds, and then undid all of that and started all over again that that's awesome and that's an amazing way to make a record but uh it doesn't work necessarily in in, in the nashville time scale
0: you're talking about demos just so people know i'll give an example of what a demo would be let's say that uh laurie mckenna and, and yep. another writer or two they write a song and they need to record it so they can pitch it so it sounds really good so they can pitch it to mm. tim mcgraw yeah You'll go and record it with Lori singing it. Yeah, make it sound awesome, mm-hmm. and then it get that. And that's what a demo is, as compared to when you, these songs. These are real life songs.
1: Totally, they go on records. Yeah, so demo is basically a a union scale, but the thought is, yeah, as far as being able to pitch a song, if you're a if you're a songwriter and you want to show Rascal Flatts the song that you wrote for them. Sometimes it's tough with just the song if you're if you with your iPhone recording from you in the songwriting room. It's tough to show them the vision that you see for the song, so you bring it into a demo session, and you can knock out you know five or six songs in a three-hour period. It's n- not, it's not a finished recording. It's not a it's not a record. It's not supposed to be released. It's just something that. This is in the vein. And so the songwriter will come to the demo session and go, we're thinking Rascal Flats on this. So, so do, play like Rascal Flats." Yeah, do your best Rascal Flats, yeah. And yeah.
0: So what you do for most of the day is you go from studio to studio mm-hmm. and you'll sit down at whatever piano type instrument they have there and then play it, right?
1: That or I definitely have my gear that shows up there. So there's some... Uh, uh, There's a whole industry in Nashville called Cartage. And so shout out to Larry, Ferkins and Pockets, and Jordan, the three guys that take care of my gear. And I text them at the beginning of the week, say I'll be here, here, and here. And my keyboard world sort of magically appears. Do they set it up? They do.
0: So you're going studio to studio. And I wonder when you think back, what are some of the biggest songs that you've been a part of?
1: Uh... I mean, I think right now, uh, well, Chris Young, Losing Sleep.
0: So you play the keys on Losing Sleep? Yes. And can you hear your keys?
1: Uh, That's funny. I I had a conversation literally yesterday with my dad that goes, he goes, sometimes I can hear you, son, but I don't know. I can't hear you. (laughs) And for the most part, it's the type of thing where I'd go... A lot of the time, the keyboards in Nashville are, are a supporting role. Um, you know, you don't hear a lot of piano solos anymore, a lot of keyboard solos. Um, so a lot of what I do is pads and background stuff where if you mu- I, I always tell my dad, if you muted it, you'd miss it. <laughs> but it, oftentimes, it's, it's not about the keyboards.
0: How about this one? Because I have a whole list of songs here. My love is never so you play the keys on this song? Yeah. How often are you in the studio with the artist versus not at all?
1: Um, it all depends. I mean, some some artists are there all the time, and some artists just due to their touring schedule and whatever, they'll either sing vocals ahead of time, or they'll be there for the first day of tracking, or you, you, almost always they're there as much as they physically can be but oftentimes they they can't be there, uh, which is why I didn't get to meet the
0: Backstreet Boys. Mm, so you did not meet the Backstreet I, Boys? No, I didn't. Who have you been in the studio with where you're like, man, they are really freaking special?
1: Honestly, uh, Kid Rock was a really sweet, genuine, laid-back, honest, you know, hey, call I mean...
0: Bob? Bob. He, he <laughs> like, did the Bob thing to me, too. And yeah. I was like, okay, cool, Kid Rock. Yeah, <laughs> He's right. like, hey, just call me Bob. Okay, and, Mr.
1: Rock. Yeah, okay. Miss, yeah, totally. So, uh, and he,
0: he sing? He,
1: he sang, and his instincts are... Like, artists, the artists that have been there a long time, they're not always virtuosic musicians, and they're not necessarily virtuosic songwriters or this or that every artist sort of has the thing that they're great at and they you know uh, uh, are able to make up for other deficiencies and other things but the the one constant thing with big artists successful people that i've noticed is just their instincts um steven tyler was another
0: you work with him on his country project yes yeah What was he like? Because I geeked out when he came to the radio studio. And it was weird with Steven Tyler because the first time I met him, I thought, this is one of the coolest things I've ever done. Yes. Because he's um, maybe the biggest American rock star alive. Yeah. Like, think about it. Who would would beat Steven Tyler? Uh, Dave Grohl would be up there. But he doesn't have the longevity.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like on on classic rock radio. I mean, there's not many people that are – Still still kicking it. You know, it's like Bob Seeger still tours. and
0: Still tours, but who would you put up on that right now? Living Mount Rushmore of rock. <laughs> because I think Steven Tyler's up. I think Dave Grohl is up. American, totally. American. Yeah.
1: Because uh, you can't
0: put Bono. He's, uh, he's in Ireland. You can't put right, Chris the, Martin. The,
1: yeah, exactly. There's the international dudes. What about
0: the Eagles? Would you put...
1: I'd put the Eagles. I mean, they're classic with Vince Gill, and they won a Super Bowl and everything. It was just yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I would put Nick Foles on on, <laughs> on the. But.
1: but as far as, I mean, I don't know.
0: Was he able to still sing it, Steven Tyler?
1: Like, I mean, he's he's saying as good that uh, just him running scratch vocals in the studio is was. A, just as good as as anything hearing him and your in You your, geek out a little bit? Oh my gosh. Like and, and leading up to it, he'd been he did he did a lot of writing in town. So I'd play on demos where he would have pre recorded his voice uh but he wasn't there and and that just turning up the vocal fader on your cue box there and hearing So you can hear him more hearing Steven Tyler. It's like my God, that's so cool. And he is uh, as far as talking about instincts, like what he, him and Kid Rock and any of those people that have had the long career is just their, should it be A or B? They go, it should be B. And they're right. And sometimes they'll they'll sing a thing and I'll go, they'll sing a part to me and I'll kind of go like, of course I'll entertain it and I'll, I'll do it in my head I'm going eh, that's not going to work and, but sure enough I play that thing and then he goes "Hey, okay, man get on the guitar and play that thing and and in 10-15 minutes there's like a whole whole part of the song that that I didn't hear and this was in his head and just his, his gut told him that that was the thing to do
0: I remember talking to Stephen Tyler, and we were off to the side, and I said, hey, um, I asked him about Freddie Mercury, because, again, when I get to do these type things, I get to ask questions that I would never ask in human, right? because it would just Intr- be too intrusive if I'm right. like, hey, Stephen Tyler, I know we're at dinner. Tell me <laughs> about Freddie Mercury. Right. But I could I say, hey, so uh, did you know Freddie Mercury? Because I'm a huge Queen fan. Sure. I think if Queen were alive right now, their sound is still current. Absolutely. One of the few, I think, Biggie, Queen, there are a few of those acts that if you put them in right now, they still oddly work. Yeah. And I was talking about Queen, and he said, yeah, man, Freddie used to be on the front of our bus. He said, Freddie, we, we tore for like a year together, and we, he'd stay up in the very front of the bus with the band. He goes, I, I, I don't remember any of it, because I was so out of my mind. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. Even then I asked him about music, I said, hey, what, what was the... the, the the change for you guys. Yeah. Um, because they went a long time without being big. Right. You know, the late 70s, the, the the Boston band. Right. They weren't big. They didn't have a number one, I don't think, until the Armageddon song, even though they had all the songs. Totally. That. But that was their first number mm, one song.
1: Yeah.
0: I said, what, you know, what was it? And he goes, I'm going to tell you, man, we, we were doing, I'll, I'll stop doing my impression. <laughs> but he said, he said they were uh, doing Sweet Emotion. Uh-huh. He said it was the first time that anyone had just said, let's just start with the chorus. Because it just go, it just starts. It just, Sweet. Yeah. And he goes, that changed it for us. We thought we can now do whatever we want with music. It doesn't matter anymore.
1: Right. Absolutely. And, that. and that's the type of thing that you can experiment, like today, with Pro Tools and computers. You can go, oh, what if the, this and you just two or three keystrokes and then the whole you know the first chorus is flowed to the beginning of the intro, and you can kind of see. But to to pick that up in your head and to and to think that that might be a good idea is what makes it special.
0: You just see so many artists. I mean, you you work with every day somebody singing where you are. Yeah. You just see so many great. That do you ever lose the the, the concept that? Everyone's, I mean, really, you're working with great people all the time. Yes. So when someone really pops through, you're just like, oh, good God. Carrie Underwood. Yeah.
1: Like, I haven't been struck like that with just a singer that kicks so much ass. <laughs> she is incredible. Uh, and I spent a couple of days in the studio and uh, with her and just... She had scratch vocals. She didn't have to sing. She could have sat in the control room and just kind of oversaw everything. But she goes, I think I can... Let let me go out there and sing it with the band. And, And just not warmed up, she just belted it out and it was... Well, it, I mean, it was Carrie Underwood. Was I amazing. remember,
0: I've been able to do some cool things that I shouldn't be able to do, and I got to sing a duet with Carrie Underwood.
1: I played on that.
0: You, so I wasn't in the studio that day, but so she came and sang with you guys because she sang on my, the first record. Right. And I know you guys were doing the record, and but then we sang together at the Ryman. And so we're, I'm doing the thing, and I'm singing my part, and Carrie comes out, and we're looking at each other, and she started singing, and again, I, like you, get to hear good people sing all the time in my radio studio. Of course. It sounded like an alien was coming out of her mouth. It was that strong. It was so perfect and that strong. Yeah. And rumor is, with Carrie, is that she doesn't allow you to manip- manipulate her voice on a record. She has to get it exactly right, and you don't use it. And that's it's, she sings that good that she's like, I'm using my real voice, yes. and that's it.
1: Yeah. Like, there's, am-
0: there's no auto-tuning. There's no fixing. If you got it, flaunt it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me uh, talk about this for one second. Of course. Blue Apron. It comes right to your house, and they deliver fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, step-by-step recipes right to your door. that can be cooked in under 45 minutes. The menu changes every week based on what's in season, based on what's designed by the Blue Apron in-house culinary team. You can make things, and it comes to your house, and it can sit there for three days, four days. And whenever you feel like it, make things like shrimp steak and potatoes with spicy maple collard greens. The point is you can make this when you want, and you can actually cook it because there's a card that tells you, if I can do it, you can do it. Spicy chicken and stir-fried vegetables with jasmine rice. Soy-glazed Korean rice cakes with broccoli and soft-boiled eggs. Or creamy fusilli buccati pasta with fries, rosemary, and walnuts. So, very flexible. 12 new recipes each week. Blue Apron sends only non-GMO ingredients with no meat added. So, I love Blue Apron. Um, I eat Blue Apron. Blue Apron is treating the listeners of the BobbyCast right here to $30 off your first order. If you go to blueapron.com bobbycast... $30 off, blueapron.com slash bobbycast, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Okay, so let's start, let's go back to your, uh, your Canadian. Yes. And so you came to America when?
1: Uh, Ten years ago. I moved, uh, I moved here to Nashville from Toronto.
0: Under what guise?
1: I wanted to play piano for a living and I felt I'd reached a ceiling in Canada and wanted to make a move to have a bigger opportunity to land move to America the land of
0: opportunity did you think that you wanted to play in a band did you think you were, did you know what it,
1: at that point I had already been th- in a band and quit the band
0: to, were you the best one in the band no you had to be I you're mean, an expert at what you do you had to have been the best one if you ranked everyone a Madden and you had the skill set
1: other dudes we went uh, they were friends from music school so as far as I mean as far as playing ability that's that's the thing with with especially in session land here in nashville it's we're not making jazz odyssey records it's it's not rocket science music so often the playing thing is it's about it, it, it's such about nuance it's not really about the the virtuosity or the who can play fast and who can play the you know that sort of thing when you think of who's the Who's the best piano player in the world. But
0: to, to counter your point, there are so many great players that the greatest of great are the ones that get the jobs, even if you don't need them for the reason that they're so great. Sure. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because if there are a lot of good players and there's a lot of great players and they both want to play a, a mediocre level, you still can be the best player.
1: Absolutely. I think good music can be played well as easily as good music can be played poorly. I also believe that bad music can be played well, and bad music can be played poorly. Okay. And so, the big picture of going okay. into the studio is me going: whatever the music is, it can be played well. How do you do that?
0: Was it hard for you to live in America as a citizen? Because I have friends that it's impossible. Like it's hard for them to become. I'm
1: definitely not a citizen. I have a green card. And was that hard to get? Yes, really expensive and really hard, and really took a long time. And I had work visas before that, and and yeah, I mean, I uh, i never worked a day in the in this country illegally, um, and that cost a lot of money. And that was I don't think a lot of people can could could do that. Um, not to mention the way like I I used. Music as the the work visa, so I had an 01 visa, which is, uh, in their words, uh, an extraordinary talent visa, the extraordinary alien. So you have if you're, to audition for them. <laughs> you have to hire a lawyer to <laughs> uh, to tell them to tell them, yeah, in lawyer talk.
0: So you moved to the states ten years ago, mm-hmm. and how do you get into the session game?
1: I, I was way not even close to session game. I was still. My goal was to to. Be on the road so i was i moved here with a road gig i toured for a long oh, long cool. time Who before did you tour
0: with anybody i would know uh
1: yeah i mean i toured with joe nichols was my first gig that i landed here in in nashville and i was with him for a bunch of years and i did uh uh, uh i spent a, a year subbing for a good friend of mine um when he was on and off the road with big and rich. So I,
0: Oh boy, you was, got two parties right there. Depending on when you got Joe, you got two, two parties.
1: I, I, I got chilled out Joe. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and I got, you, you know, got big and rich. I got big but and they rich. They are. Who they, they are. Yeah. They, they come. How they come.
0: <laughs> so you, you were on the road with Joe big and rich. Anybody else? Uh,
1: I mean, I have played with Wynona and I have played with Casey Musgraves and I've, 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 subbed in and, and sort of appeared with people.
0: How do you get those gigs? Because well, yeah, I saw you playing the CMA, then the house band at the CMAs, right? That's yeah. That was right. Mm-hmm. How do you get that gig? Uh,
1: that gig came through uh,
0: – Is it just you're the best? I mean, is that really what – they just look for the best of the best? There's a short list of – The people. best. <laughs> yeah. I, that's what, I just see the house band and I go, oh, I've, I've seen and worked with a bunch of these guys. And so I know three or four of you.
1: I'll say success breeds success. And definitely people in those higher pressure situations, people don't want to take chances with people that they don't know whether or not they're good. They could be the best player. But if the band leader, um, who was uh, Derek Wells, um, a guitar player, uh, when he put that band together, he is going to
0: put... People that he's comfortable with and he knows will do the job, right? Yeah. Does, pay, does gigs pay well for doing like the house band gig? Sure. Are they just union scale, or is it better than that?
1: There's union scale, and I think that there's whenever they re-air it, there's another little,
0: little chunk. Let me play this. Let's see you play on this jam. If you trust your rebel heart, into Much like a songwriter, I'll say, hey, it's sometimes they remember when they wrote the song, sometimes they don't. If I play this song, can you remember actually playing this song?
1: I literally remember this. This one, session. you do? Yes.
0: Yeah. Lauren's another one who just sings her brains out. Yes. One of the best, yes. elite one percent of one percent singers in town.
1: We recorded that a while ago, and I remember maybe it took a minute for it to come out. Um, we recorded a while ago before that, but I definitely remember. Uh, I definitely remember that. Busby record, uh, producing that, and he was tr- Busby's uh, an amazing visceral producer. Like he is somebody that gets really into it, and he'll mime drum fills for the for the drummer through the glass. And and he had at that that day, he uh, he had a flashlight, and we <laughs> we were playing down, and he if he something came to him like an idea or something like that. He would kind of flash this flashlight through the glass and get get my attention and or get the drummer's attention and drum fill here or something like that. So you're watching the, his
0: cues. Yeah,
1: I yeah. mean, it's it was more like that was in the moment and then I'll take that into account for the next take.
0: It's funny, I'm looking at some of the stuff that you've been on and it's a lot of the artists. And again, we're in a town where there's a lot of greatness and then there are people who are great Inside the grid. It's it's a very talented town. Totally. It's like the major leagues where you move. You play your minor league ball in other places and yeah. you come here. And, and I'll play you Lucy Silva's. And... I love her. Yes. It's, it's you, and you're distinctly that, in this. That is me. It yeah. was But your dad can hear that. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, comes on, he know exactly. Where I know. From. Just
1: refer to this. Yeah, she's so good, right? She is. It, she's also somebody that I knew, and obviously now, and they're married. She's married to John. Married to John. John Osborne from opera. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I knew her before they were married, um, and, and before that. And she's—I mean, she's a successful artist in the UK before she even got here. Like she's been killing it. She for, did
0: a Metallica cover. That ended up being a top 10 song in the UK.
1: She's really incredible.
0: And for some reason, as close as I am, to, because she's one of the people that I really enjoy and i have been friends, and I yeah. took her out on the road, and we've had... You know, we, totally. And uh, I've never brought her in, almost because we're too close of to friends, Lucy, It's been... I just haven't made that call. Right. Where you don't want to call your good friends and be like, hey... Yeah. And she's never called me and said, hey, can I come on? So right. I think we're stalemating each other. Fair. Yeah, that's a weird... Um, Let me play some more of this. I got some more here. This is something new. This is uh, what well, Kip's new single. Um, Have I ever you no, this, this is... A, is this a single?
1: Maybe not. This is not played the fifth
0: from Kip. Kip one. Should be a single. This is a good one. Yes. If the song's on the radio, do you get paid more?
1: Uh, th- I don't get paid necessarily from terrestrial radio, but there are some back-end things with streaming. And now... That are na- new... Yeah. New avenues. That's good because... That was never the case for players.
0: And writers, and, and this has been a big problem, is that writers still need the freaking radio. So right. they can get paid because they're working on the streaming. But you guys are making money on streaming. It's so our background singers. Yes. But the writers still aren't seeing a fair compensation from streaming.
1: That is the... This is the struggle. And throughout the, the 90s and that kind of thing, it was the songwriters that were like you had a big hit you had a cut you had a whatever i mean they were selling cds there was money money coming in and there were established streams of income for songwriters um and then when everything changed the their stream of income was still radio and still mechanical stuff and I, i i mean i don't know the the ins and outs of like when and, and what was negotiated, but uh, SAG after the Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA and the AF of M, the Musician Union, got a something worked out that um, it's not spot, it's it's like maybe it's YouTube and you mean how you're getting paid? Yeah, it's yeah. like some are. It's such a on board wild west right now. Are, yeah. there's,
0: there's just not an overarching rule through all Sonic. Totally. Which there eventually will be, but it's all so new that it's hard to get legislation, first of all, on anything. Right. Secondly, when something is so new, you're talking about a bunch of basically 80 year old clueless white men who have no idea what they're talking about. Absolutely. And so the last thing they care about is what we're listening to and how writers musicians artists should be compensated totally and it's hard to get to them to even think it's a thing so then you gotta spend money on lobbyists right so yes
1: you get some money on lobbyists and then the people who have the opposing interests usually have way more money for for lobbying interests and and then you've got uh uh all the NSAI people that go and I, I know all my songwriter friends that go over there and play for congressmen. Uh,
0: Lee Miller does it all the time. Lee, Lee's, I mean, he's the leader. Yeah, he
1: runs that stuff. And Lee's been a good friend of mine for a while. I started doing his demos years ago, and uh, and he's doing great. So I thought they had a a, a, a win. They did some. very recently. Mm-hmm. They did.
0: Yeah, a, a good step in the right direction. Yeah. Which is a, so. What, what what's a good good day for you then? Well, what what fulfills you? Because it seems. You know, like myself, you can start doing the same thing over and over again. Even sure. though you enjoy it, it can start to burn. You, you get the burn.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, a good day f- for me is uh, it's it's a good day versus a bad day is ninety percent of the time the people who I'm playing with, and fortunately, as I progress in my career, my peers are I I, I get to be surrounded with great people on a more regular basis than I had been surrounded with great people before so I mean you. you a lot of the time I mean you really can't go wrong it's like I, I and I, I'll go back to this like I play the piano for a living like it's even when it's like a hard day it's never a bad day it's just like a hard day will be a triple demo day where you don't you're trying to cram five songs in a session, and so ten to one, you do ten five songs, and then you have your hour break, and then you do five more songs, and you have an hour break, and then it's nine p.m. and you haven't answered any text messages, and you haven't had a chance to call your dad back, or you haven't—he's
0: griping about the radio, he doesn't hear your, whole, yeah, he, he doesn't, doesn't hear your me. song on, he doesn't hear you on it sway. Makes you yeah. wanna sway. You played on this one. Yeah. if I can hear it. I hear that. Mind, yeah. Another one that is surprisingly a great singer is Danielle, and she was in a few weeks ago yeah. and, and sitting in that same chair. She is, uh, you know, four foot tall. Right. Sings like she's ten foot tall. I know. It is just.
1: I and that was the first time I'd worked with her, uh, and yeah, she's just awesome and the energy and the whole thing i mean it's like i
0: want to talk about this for one second one of the benefits of doing this podcast from my house is that in my house i have all the things that make me comfortable like the chair that i'm sitting in now even my bed i don't do this from my bed but it is in my bedroom right down the hallway and i have a sleep number bed and i do talk about how it has changed my life and for me i do struggle sleeping but it has helped so much I mostly struggle because I wake up at 3 in the morning. But my sleep number, I go into the store. I lay down on the bed. You look at the ceiling or wherever they have the computer, and it shows your back, your neck. And they say, well, if we did this, this would fix your back. This fix, and they give you a sleep number. And my setting is a 30. And I've been checked again. I went back just because I was the mall, And it's still a 30. So my sleep number setting is a 30. My sleep IQ score last night was in the 90s. Sleep number beds cost about the same as a traditional mattresses. They last twice as long and nine out of ten owners recommend. So go on during the ultimate sleep number event, say fifty percent, on a limited edition at bed and Queen Mattress start only six ninety nine ninety nine. Sleep number has over five hundred fifty stores nationwide. Sleep dot com slash bones. Sleep dot com slash bones. Check it out. All right, so it's interesting, you're the first session player. Artist music. I know you as a session. I don't know if that's an insult. Is that an insult to call you a session player? No, this is what I do. Okay, because I, I don't know the terminology. All I know is when people say hey, we're going to do a session. Yeah. And Dave's playing and he's running it. and yeah. So you tell him what you want. Yeah. So yeah. It's, well, you're the first player. play. You're the first session player that I've had in that records records.
1: That's, that's awesome.
0: Thank because you. I think you're the only one that I really know. Well, <laughs> but I always like you. The
1: only one you need
0: to know. That's man. true too that's true too here's a song that uh, for sure you have to remember this is the old Raging Idiots but now she's a two she's a two I'm a two and I'm a two she's a me she's a me and I'm a two. that's you, Charles Kelly me, and I singing that amazing yeah she's a two and I'm a two and that's you <laughs> yeah Shining, and yes. That's all I can take of that of I me. Mean, yeah, yeah, yeah Amazing I got a bunch of your stuff here Are we just a backseat? This is the jam to get it I, while I get love this song Do you ever hear a song? Because I love this song too Written in the sand Yes, yes. Well, just or, Sand or star? Sand, right? Written in the sand. sand Yeah, yeah I love this song How about a song? You ever hear a song and go Holy crap, that's a good song And then it turns out to be some massive hit You ever hear one early and go That's it, you just Go, oh, it moves me.
1: Yes. I mean, you You know...
0: Tell me about one where you go, oh, it's got to be one. And then eight months later, it ends up being one.
1: Uh, the first time I worked with Chris Young and Corey Crowder for, uh, for Chris's... For I'm Coming Over, uh, that was the... For 2015 or something, maybe? But that was like... The, the song, it, it just seemed like teed up. It just that seemed... That song. That song yeah, specifically, I remember it. I remember hearing the demo and Corey going, you know, this is kind of where we're, we're going with it, and Chris is somebody that's really involved in his records, and, you know, so that, that was cool.
0: You could feel it. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, are you there now with playing on... Because you play on everybody's record. I mean, I have... I have so many songs that you've played on here. I have some rasp- I,
1: buy into I hear you. Those eyes,
0: I hear you there. And into your eyes, you say you'll call. But I. I hear you on this one. Don't want. She hit a John Party. John Party. So what? Are you tired of doing this all day now?
1: No, definitely not. That. What I was referring to was more so um, the 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 type of music that there's certain, there, there's no way to say this without, I'm, I don't want to sound bad. I'll say whatever, I just say whatever I want,
0: just say whatever you want,
1: Who cares? <laughs> no, but 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 definitely on those long demo days, I find myself looking at my phone a lot, and I find myself not... Giving sometimes the songs the dedication they deserve, sure. um, and I feel like I'm not representing my brand. You're not being challenged.
0: I mean, that basically is what it sounds like. You don't feel like you're being challenged when you're doing these demo sessions. Sure. Well, I'm glad you came by. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I, um, I'm looking forward to you know getting on some more uh, piano tracks, dude. Is that what you say? Is that how you say it? I'm looking forward to getting more piano tracks. Yeah. Always. Yeah, man. Cool. More tracks. Let's, let's do piano stuff someday, man. Dude. I have no idea how to play piano. I have no. I it's never
1: know. too late. I see one right over there.
0: I, oh, I have like four in the house. <laughs>
1: There's no shortage.
0: That doesn't mean I don't. I know how to play them.
1: That was the coolest MTV Cribs. Justin Timberlake had a Rhodes at the foot of his bed, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever.
0: How many do you have at your place?
1: At home, I only have one. I've got a. I've got a studio, so I've got one Nord keyboard in there, and I have a baby grand piano.
0: Oh Okay, everything. I would drive by. I used to live a few houses down from Gary Levox, Rascal Flats, and his. <laughs> he has a humongous white piano right in the front door. Like you drive by and it is just like, boom! You, you're driving by and you see it. Is
1: there a an extra like sitting on it in black and white with like a rose in their mouth? There should be. Yeah, it
0: looks like that kind of piano, and I it, that piano has to cost how much? Does a grand piano cost a big white grand piano? We're not guessing his, but in general,
1: you of uh, being fifty grand. <sighs> Crazy. That's why I would think I would drive grand. by and go,
0: ah, there's a nice car right there. Yeah.
1: I mean. I, yeah, I
0: Ben has cost more than that. That's Gary LaVox.
1: Right. Yeah, you know he's got a good piano. You oh, know he's got some,
0: man. some gold. Oh, man. Those rich people. One day we're going to get there, Dave. <laughs> One day. One day we're going to get One there. One
1: song at a time.
0: Hey, I, I really appreciate you coming by. Thank you for Yeah, me. it was good. Dave Cohen. And uh, these this things last forever, these podcasts. So Dave could either be. Out of work in a year, or you could be producing your favorite new record.
1: I'm probably out of work. Yeah, I think so traveling right. that direction as well. <laughs> but I know where you live, so we'll come back. We
0: come over. We'll do it again. <laughs> All right, Dave Cohen, and uh, we'll see you guys next time on the podcast Thank you. Bye, everybody. Hope you like that one. It was a very insider podcast. I enjoyed it. I'll encourage you to check out Christian Bush's podcast called "Geeking Out with Christian Bush." One half of Sugarland. He talked to Granger Smith about bees. He talked to a manager in town about like uh, fighting. Is a specific kind of fighting? Taekwondo. I just I, I call everything karate, and I shouldn't. I was going to say karate. So you can hear that one. Uh, also, Jake Owen has a podcast called Good Company with Jake Owen, and the Whiskey Riff guys have Whiskey Riff Raff. We encourage you to check them out uh, if you like country music. If you're listening to this, you'll probably like those podcasts too. So that's that. I believe Steve Mochler will be in soon, in the next couple of episodes. I'm a big fan of Steve Mochler as a songwriter and an artist, so come back soon for that. Dave Haywood seems to be the next one, though. Dave Haywood from Lady Annabella, who I didn't know on a personal level until this podcast. We had met many times, but he was always with the group. And you, as you'll hear coming up, or maybe it's already out right as you hear this, just a brilliant guy. So Dave Haywood and... Steve Mokler, uh, coming real soon. Thanks for hanging out with us here. Thank you. Bye.